0: Hey guys, so I haven't put out a video for a while because I just have too many projects going on right now. But I did write a couple articles and I wrote one about why I'm bearish on Ethereum in the short to medium term, at least. Um, long term, I really don't know. And I also wrote about sort of a review of alternative layer ones. Um, I got some questions on these things, but, you know, to be honest, I haven't found too many interesting questions because either people are complaining about that I didn't write enough or didn't mention at all about their um, favorite alternative layer ones, um, you know, uh, and and also, or they are complaining about um, I'm doing, I'm, I'm being too negative on Ethereum. So I don't find either... I, neither either of these are uh, very intellectually um, interesting, uh, but um, I will pick some questions nonetheless, okay? And we can talk about them. So uh, if you haven't read the articles, I will link in the video uh, if you're interested in checking them out. So the first question from uh, Slim Dunking: If you could get any four tokens right now, what would they be for the most growth for the next year? I think this is a question on my um, like a review article for alternative layer ones. So um, this may be a little bit surprising because um, if I think about this question, it, it's, it's probably none of the tokens that I've mentioned in that article because that article, like I wrote a lot, I spent a lot of time writing about in that article about the alternative layer ones that are essentially already pretty established Mm, you know, uh, Solana, Terra Luna, and uh, Avalanche, and I mentioned some some of the layer twos, uh some of the layer ones that are second tier, that are up and coming, right? Um, but if you ask me, what would be the most growth for next year? Uh, I don't think that would be most of the things that I mentioned in in that article, because the Solana Vax. If you think about, yes, they have grown a whole lot in the past year, but they're no longer in the price discovery phase, right? Um, I really like them. I think they're a good long-term investment. But if you're asking me, what would be the growth? What would be the most growth in the next year? I My my first uh, thought would be it would not be those. So um, if I look at things that are in my portfolio right now, keep in mind, I, there are so many tokens out there, so many projects out there. And there are definitely projects that I don't know at all. Okay, so I'm not saying that outside of these other projects are not going to grow. That's definitely not true. So but it just like uh, things that I'm already holding right now, I would say the four things um, I'm looking to have the biggest growth would be DeFi Kingdom, which is the jewel token, will be number 1 number 2 will be the um, OCT which is the Octopus network which is a layer 2 on near um, and the third one will be FXS which is the uh, which is the um, token which is the governance token that supports the uh, algo uh, stablecoin called Frex. and the fourth one is Juno which is uh, you can think of it as a layer 2 on um cosmos built on cosmos so both uh, both octopus and juno are sort of a place on you know interoperability and you know cross-chain communication um kind of project so um why do i expect these to grow more this year um first of all defi kingdom i really like it because now, now, first of all, let us backtrack. Oh, you know, one step one step back. Okay. So a while ago, I wrote about the investment themes that I'm most bullish about for this year, which are three. Number one is blockchain gaming or traditional gaming that utilizes that uses some kind of blockchain component, and number two is um, interoperability and multi-chain solutions, and number three is alternative layer ones and layer twos. Okay. So those those are you know, broadly three things I'm most, um, you know, looking to find projects in. And uh, I p- probably should add a addendum. <laughs> Obviously there are other, you know, themes and uh, uh, other use cases of blockchains. Like I didn't list their, like stable coins, for example, which I think also I'm going to grow a lot, which is, you know, um, Frex share is, is, uh, is, uh, uh, the backing of a, a algorithmic stablecoin, and that's one of the four things I just mentioned, right? But uh, the other the other things in this list is either blockchain gaming or um, you know multi-chain interoperability solutions, um, things like that. So um, so so okay. So go back to my four token list. Uh, DFK I really like. I, I think they can grow a whole lot. Um, from, because they're, they're the first, uh, I, I wouldn't say they're the first one, but they're the first successful integrations that I've seen to combine a gaming aspect and the DeFi aspect. And, uh, there is a addictive component to, um, the kind of strat- strategy, gaming component that they built into the project. And they are very soon expanding to Avalanche and expanding to other chains. So they can become, you know, a Cross-chain DeFi uh, protocol with a gaming component that is uh, highly addictive. So from that point of view, um, I really like the project. And um, people who are, who are running this is very smart. Okay. So you 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 probably all know how I feel about Axie and Infinity. So I feel very differently about DeFi kingdoms. The thing I worry about this is. Um, I wouldn't say worry, but it's, uh, something to watch out for is like, um, because the blockchain, you know, most of the blockchain projects, it's mostly open source, right? Everybody can copy and paste. So I've already seen, you've probably seen like copy, copycat projects of DeFi kingdoms. And, uh, um, Yes, you can say, um, you cannot copy the community, you cannot copy the team, right, so on, so forth. Uh, Those are all true. But still, you know, um, this is not a uh, this, this this idea, you know, of uh, combining gaming and DeFi is a pretty transferable idea. So um, what, 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 what I feel like, uh, you know, you need to look, look out for is like, uh, a situation similar to, uh, Olympus Dell can happen. You know, um, once, once, uh, Olympus got so popular, you saw like thousands of copycats, uh, spring up, uh, and, and even to this day, right. The, the newest ones I just bought actually, um, so that so so I, I think if that starts happening more, which which I think will will definitely happen, that is going to um, reduce the momentum of, of, of DFK. It's it's going to take away some of some some of it. If if we are being honest, it even though you can say projects you know team community are not uh, copyable. So um, but still you know I'm I'm quite optimistic on, on the project and on the execution. Um, of their team. I, I do think they want to, they need to try to expand to as many chains as, as possible and become too big to fail, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I think that that is one thing that, that Olympus should have done sooner is to expand to other things, other chains. But, you know, it's easier for me to say because I'm not in the team, I'm not in execution, right, because these things are actually difficult. So um, that's first one. Number two is... Um, Octopus network is really small, you know, but it's basically uh, using near as the security layer to um to build app chains, app specific chains. Um it's a layer 2 on la- uh, near, that's what it does. So, um so so for me, I think this this can grow, grow a whole lot. I don't know how big it can get, but I think it can grow a whole lot because it's start the, the base is very very small and this is a um, there is a market need for this in terms of, uh, you know, this is one more feasible approach to scale is to have app-specific specific chains with some shared um, security um, to to make it, you know, so basically what, what they do is to make it very cheap and very easy to deploy these, uh, you know, um, app chains, app-specific chains building on a layer one um, as security layer so you see like actually a lot of the uh, alternative layer one's they have similar solutions right you you have subnets in avalanche and near you have these app chains um and uh on cosmos obviously um, you know you can you can you can build additional chains on on on, on cosmos and uh, they they are um they they have some uh, they have better interoperability solutions pushing out those here so they the, all of these have different um different uh, approaches to modularity uh, how to build modular um blockchain scaling. So I'm interested in this one is just because it's it's the smallest and uh it's the newest and uh, you know it it's starting to get some traction. So if you're asking me which is going to grow more percentage wise then you know um it's from that point of view I'm optimistic about this one fxs so frex share is the you know is the stable coin uh stabilizing token um i'm i'm interested in this one because i i think elbow uh, elbow stable stable coin is going to grow a lot more because the traditional stable coins they're actually backed by uh, real us dollar assets um it, it's not as easy for them to scale because you need to acquire real US dollar assets. While these stable coin, these uh, algorithmic stable coins, they're basically new currencies trying to peg to US dollar, right? So um, obviously these are much higher risk compared to traditional stable coins like USDC um, because these are you know unproven and they're not stress tested. And they are new currencies that um, yeah, it's it's backed by a reserve of assets, um, but you can think of it like a uh, in in a bear market or in a very sharp market sell-off. Um, it's it's very possible that these will go off-pack. Um, so, but 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 still, you know, there is a strong market demand. So I I think whatever problems these will have. Uh, which I expect them will have problems, um, it, there will be a learning by doing process. So again, if you're asking me which will grow more, you're not asking me which will be the safer one, right? So I, I would say that this will be the one I'm optimistic about for growing more. Um, and I, you, you can say the same thing about Terra Luna, right? Because they also have, uh, they have a bigger stable coin which is UST, which is Algo Stablecoin, stabilized by, by the Luna token. So, but uh, FRAX is smaller, FRAX is growing faster, <laughs> and uh, they are pretty flexible and they have good business development. And I've seen it you being used in some, you know, new gaming projects and in, in a pretty um, interesting way. So, um, so those are, you know, various factors that are going into this consideration. And Juno is um uh I, I call it a layer two i'm you know don't 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 quote me on this <laughs> because I'm sure that you know tech in the technical terms that being called something else, but basically it's using cosmos as security um to build interoperable interoperable um smart contracts so um to me this is like a similar to a layer two concept so um this is a similar play. To to I I put I put it in a similar category as Octopus Network. So um, why 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 these instead of the layer one tokens, uh, which is near and uh, atom? Again, these are smaller. Uh, These are you know uh, place solve the problem of interoperability and uh, layer two scaling. And, uh, uh, so I expect them to grow more than the base layer of their layer one chain. Um, which, uh, you know, but you, 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 you can argue both ways, right? You can, you can say, yeah, th- these are small, maybe they'll grow more, mm, but, um, uh, the layer one ecosystem maybe have better network effect. So you can argue both ways. So I'm not, I don't have my mind set on this. This is, you know, just my current opinion. If you ask me which four of my current holdings I expect to grow the most in medium term, I would say, because you're saying next year, right? So I, 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 I would pick these four. So, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, that's that. I'm not, and, and I'm not saying other, other tokens that I've mentioned before are not good. <laughs> Please. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Um, it's it's just, uh, you know, different tokens. Some of them, they're in price discovery. Some of them, they're just beginning to grow. So percentage wise, they have bigger room to grow um, compared to the more established uh, alternative layer ones. I think they are long term still, you know, very optimistic, good value, but um, in the short term, they probably do less. And in terms of price action. Okay. Um, and obviously, they're also safer. <laughs> There's that. Um, next one Strike Price is asking most of these uh, layer ones have a hard TPS limit. How do you think these layer ones scale when the demand hits their TPS? DeFi is currently 0.05 of traditional finance. None of these. L1s can handle the throughput if DeFi were to capture at least 10% of traditional finance. Well, that's why you have Layer 2 scaling solutions. That's why most of the chains, except Solana, are going towards a some kind of modular play, right? So the Layer 1s are trying to be the security or the consensus layer with the data availability layer and execution layers built on top and uh, you call them layer twos or layer threes and so on and so forth, or you have, um, you know, app specific layer twos. So if you're a gaming app, right, you use a lot of throughput, uh, or your NFT app, you lot, you use a lot of uh, throughput, but maybe your value of transactions are not very high, unlike in a institutional grade DeFi app. So you, you may want your own app chain. So you don't, you're not affected by, um, by other activities on the same base layer, on the same chain, right? So like the other day, I was trying to do something on Polygon, and it was really, really slow and very, very frustrating. And uh, I asked some friends what's going on and told me, oh, there's this new NFT drop. <laughs> so um, and it's affecting other users who are using something completely unrelated, right? So. You, it's, it's definitely in in the future that 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 just cannot be allowed to happen. And one way to solve that is to have app specific uh, modular chains where your your throughput does not affect everybody else's throughput on the same security layer. Um, so yeah, so this is related to the interoperability and multi-chain uh, themes that we talked about earlier, right? Okay. So next one crypto fish. Uh can you do a thread on stable coins? I already did a thread on stable coins. Um there's an article on my website. I think it's called uh what is it called? Uh let me check. It it it's called uh crypto will eat fiat but it's not in the way you think. So basically what I was saying is if you look at um you know, the people are saying, "Oh, uh, Bitcoin is sound money. Ethereum is ultra sound money. So these are going to replace fiat." I think those, you know, you, you, you dream on, but it's it's a long way to go because those are extremely unstable. Still, to this to this day, right? You cannot use them. You cannot use a Bitcoin or eth- or Ether. As very effective uh, unit of account or medium of exchange, because not, they are not—they are not stable yardstick of value. So, to be a good, uh, um, to be a good uh, a token for exchange for transaction purpose, uh, or unit of account purpose, you need to have a stable valuation relative to real life goods and services, right? So that's why stablecoins become so popular, and ninety-five percent of them are U.S. dollar stablecoins because it's pegged to the most, uh, uh, the strongest uh, fiat currency in the world, which is which is U.S. dollar, which is way more stable than, uh, you know, Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? So, um, and as crypto market grow, as on-chain economy grow the use of stablecoin is bound to grow and and also this is the stablecoin business is sort of an evergreen business because whether it's bull market or bear market people are going to use people are going to need stablecoins in the bear market you know a lot of people they park their uh, their uh, net worth uh, or their liquidity in stablecoins right or they want to go into stablecoins and earn stablecoin yield when the market is not good and also you always have short-term transactions that that need to use stable coins. And in the bull market, the whole market is going up and the stable coin, you know, go along with it. So it's sort of an evergreen business. Um and uh, like we talked about earlier um so so that's why like my article was saying, you know, the real threat I wouldn't call it a threat, but it's, it's going to eat into the market share of actual fiat currencies is these stable coins because it's going to be an easy to use on chain measuring stick, um, a unit of account on chain and you can transact and move very easily. Right. So including all these cross border transactions, I don't even know why people are, you know, arguing back and back and forth about what kind of technology we should use for cross-border transactions anymore? Because, you know, you just you know transact with stable coins. It's, it takes seconds, right? So, um, it's it's just a I, I think it's just an outdated discussion right now. So, so 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 that's why I think these are going to grow a lot more, and these algorithmic stable coins. Um they are they're, they're just uh, they're much easier to scale compared to the traditional uh, dollar-backed st- stable coins like tether and the usdc right so the downside like we already talked about is you 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 don't know if how, how stable they are because they're so young right and uh they're, they're usually kind of collateralized or backed by some kind of credible crypto, crypto asset or a basket of crypto assets, but keep in mind, crypto assets are very small, right? A lot of time it's it's uh, um, it, it it's it's a uh, um, kind of a house of cards, <laughs> right? Um, so it's um it it's a, it's it and and also we've been in the in the bull market. Uh, for for past two three years, so these stablecoins, el- algorithmic stablecoins, really hasn't been stress tested too much. Um, but still, you know, I-, I think the upside is bigger than than the risk of downside. So uh, if you look at the currently the biggest, the leading algo stablecoins, which is UST and uh, MIM. Uh, MIMIS stands for what? Uh, Magic internet money. (laughs) Right. And, uh, um, and the FRAX. So these, these are the bigger ones. And, uh, I I expect these to grow a whole lot more. Mm. So I don't know if that's what, if that's what you're asking, can you do a thread on stable coins? But those are my thoughts on stable coins. (laughs) Um, okay. So, right next one from mark are are you are you familiar with the triple having theory for ether put forth by squish chaos would be great to get your take on this point for ETH future so yeah okay so this is a question on my article about why i'm bearish about ethereum in short to medium term so just to re- recap, why I'm being bearish on Ethereum? Because as you know, the past half a year, Ethereum, um, u- like actual usage has not grown. Okay, if you look at the active users on Ethereum, it's actually even lower than the peak in 2017 why because everybody knows it's super expensive to use ethereum because the network right now is not built to scale you only have like 15 transactions per second right so um people are that's why it's giving opportunities to e- e- to these uh, cheaper and faster alternative layer 1s like solana avalanche and uh, and uh, uh, you know uh algorand or near uh, so on and so forth. So, um, in, so, so in the near term, you know, Ethereum is going to scale through layer twos, right? So you have layer twos built on top, which are essentially execution layers that, build, that you know, process all these end user transactions and bundle them together and send to the um, Ethereum main chain for proof verification. So you can bu- bundle like 60 to 80,000 transactions together in one bundle and to send it to, pro- to be processed in one block on Ethereum Mainchain. So which is a whole lot more efficient and going to be a lot cheaper for users, which is great for users, right? But in the short term, it's not so great for Ethereum because that means in the short term, you're going to see this valley, essentially further drop of uh, demand for block space on Ethereum uh, layer one, which is like less demand associated with it, is less demand for Ether token. And uh, the transaction fee demand for um, Ether is the fundamental economic demand for Ether token. And that is a strong factor to support its price, right? So in the short term, you see um, Ethereum layer one uh, demand, like a transaction demand, you know, gradually like a downward sloping like a declining and with ether with with ethereum layer two is built on top you have um these uh, you have part of the user transactions migrate to user layer two right because uh, part of the initial at least initially the user bases are going to come from ethereum main chain that that's a big part of it but at the same time the layer twos are not handling so big a volume of transaction that they will fully occupy the layer one, uh, Ethereum block space, right? Uh, so in, in those tra- you see in this transaction as layer one and user activity go down, but layer two and user activities are not picking up so much to make up for the, um, user activity that is taking away from Ethereum layer one, you're going to see a trough in 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 the activity demand in activity level and associated with it ether demand Right. so that that is basically the bear case so um and in the past six months you have not seen uh at, you know much of price action from ether i think this is a big this is a big reason if not for the uh you know in in august we we introduced a token burn Right, you you're burning part of the transaction fees on Ethereum Layer One, and kind of reduce the supply in that way. If not for that change, you probably see more slip in Ether price. And obviously there are other other reasons as well. You know, wherein you <laughs> the, this this go this is goes into a much longer discussion because there are also external factor because there is less of a speculative demand coming from outside because for these bigger token bigger market caps like. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum in particular, um, its prices is, yes, the Ethereum, you know, price is supported by on-chain activity demand, but it's also a lot of it is speculative demand, right? So that relies on new money flowing into crypto space because Bitcoin and Ethereum are the gate- gateway drugs of new participants in the space. That's what that's why what you, you, you buy, um, you know, right off the bat, after you come into crypto, right? So um, as no, because the new money flow into the crypto space has been, um, I wouldn't call it tapering off. (laughs) Obviously, there's always new money coming into crypto, but there is no acceleration of new money coming into crypto. And this is against a bigger macro backdrop. You know, Fed has started tapering in november and even before that asset purchases has been slowing so liquidity injection into the system has been much slower compared to the year before in 2020 and early 2021 okay so a lot of this you know the fed is supporting the um the 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 demand for risk assets so with that part that macro picture changing you're not seeing an acceleration of new money coming into crypto so that's an additional reason for why, you know, Bitcoin Ether price is not picking up. Um, so, but I kind of digressed a little bit. <laughs> but but there's also this, uh, you know, Ether on um, chain activity demand that is not supporting its price, right? So in that sense, I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm bearish. And so so this, but there's this theory, right? It says, uh, what is the tri- 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 triple, triple halving theory? uh, someone wrote about a while ago, which is like Squiz cares. I don't know what what his real name is, but it's a smart guy. So he basically says, um, uh, you know, Ethereum is going to transaction, going to, you know, uh, transition to proof of stake, right? So that means once you transition to proof of stake, you, you actually need to stake your token to lock it up, uh, in order to become a validator on chain, so it's going to lock up so much ease. Um, that you you're gonna you know drop the ETH supply so big, and that's gonna you know bump up the uh, ETH price like twice the extent compared to the Bitcoin halving event. Okay, so so that's the theory. Um, so how what's my opinion about this? Um, I think it has merit. It's it definitely there is a factor, right? So it's it's mechanical when it, you stake up. Token and they reduce demand. Yeah, reduce the token in circulation. Would that be such a dramatic effect as as uh, this author um, uh, you know proposed? I don't think so, <laughs> um, because it, you, you because you know you you can see like I said you can already you know um, stake ETH today, and uh, you, if you look at uh, some of the statistics, a staking rate of e- of Ethereum is indeed going up on the beacon chain, right? So um, I have staked my ETH. I-, I am staking my ETH also. And by the way, I also own ETH despite being bearish on it, okay? <laughs> so, um, but it's not a huge, it's not a huge holding right now. So, um, but the thing is, I, I can still, you know, uh, there are services uh, like Lido these days, uh, so so you you already see you already see the staking and the staking amount of staking is going up. Um, have 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 you seen the ETH token price do anything because of this I don't think so. But obviously these again we are talking about there are other factors in play. So maybe it's doing something, but it's not just that, it's just not doing enough to affect price. Okay, so 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 so. Once the Ethereum switched to proof of stake, what will happen? Um, which this is the, the interesting question. Uh, I, I think the supply will be reduced, yes, but I don't think it will be so dramatic because um, uh, you, have, you have liquid staking services like Lido. And uh, if I stake uh, ether today, uh, I can get uh, the STETH from Lido right? Um, which is the synthetic ether that I can use to transact. You cannot use it to pay gas fees, but you can use it as collateral in DeFi. You can buy and sell in the open market, just like you buy and sell Ethereum. And yes, it, its price is the same as Ethereum. So um, even though my token is locked, my actual Ether token is locked. It's actually not locked. Um, a, because I, because I, I have, I actually have liquidity and uh, you know, which is like a mirroring, mirroring me, my actual ether holding. So it's like, um, I'll give you an analogy, uh, <clears throat> to this one analogy to this is the rhinestone in Micronesia. So you heard of the rhinestone story. Um, well, if you haven't basically, in very, you know, long time ago in Micronesia, people use um, this, like uh, people, what, what do people use for money? They use this thing called stone, and uh, which is basically, um, which is basically like these huge stones that you, you, you carve, um, like uh, you carve a hole, like in the middle of it, you, you can, you can Google it, find some pictures online, it's quite interesting. And so people use these as money, they're really heavy. um, So it's hard to steal them, right? So, but, you know, I I think it it happened, there was once happened that there was an accident, there was like a boating accident. And this boat, this was ship, which was like uh, transporting this rhinestone across the ocean, sank in the ocean. So the rice stone sank with it, right? So, um, but people kind of just uh, uh, acknowledged it, and uh, still accepting that whoever owned that rice stone at the bottom of the sea is still a good claim, and uh, is still accepting you transfer that claim to someone else. Um, so, which is interesting, right? You 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 think about you the the rice stone is no longer it's being locked at the bottom of the ocean, essentially. But its liquidity is not lost. You can still transact with it as long as people own, people acknowledge that claim, right? So, um, which is actually similar, also similar to, you know, early banks. Um, you lock your uh, gold bars, your gold bars in the bank, and bank give you a certificate, which is like an early form of paper money, right? So bank gives you a paper certificate that proves that you own that chunk of gold, which is locked in the bank vault. Okay. And now you can transact, you can, you have liquidity with that piece of paper. You, you, that piece of paper is essentially, you know, you, you, you use that to transfer the ownership of, of, uh, of that gold, that, that, that is locked in the vault. Right. So the liquid, uh, the, the, Synthetic ether is is the same purpose. It's the equivalent of paper money, right? Your ether is locked in the vault, <laughs> but you can use liquid ether, uh, synthetic ether, for transactions. So, so you 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 actual token supply, in terms of uh, you know, it, for for speculative for um, actual transactional purposes in financial market, is not lost at all. So. I don't think this kind of halving uh this kind of uh you know reducing supply is the same uh nature as Bitcoin's um token emission halving um every 4 years. I don't think it's the same nature. I think this is a much weaker form of uh <laughs> of uh reducing supply uh compared to compared to the Bitcoin halving. So uh but, but I, I do expect it to have some impact, but I, I so the bottom line is have it, it will have some impact on, on reducing the supply of ETH, um, but I don't expect it to have s- such a huge impact as the triple halving meme uh, would, would, uh, would want you to believe. Uh, that That's my opinion, because you, you actually, the, that liquidity of your locked ether is actually not locked. It's actually not lost, okay, because of the synthetic or mirror assets. Um, while with Bitcoin, you cannot say the same because Bitcoin, you know, having schedule, um, every four years you reduce the token emission, you do not have a mirror asset that mirrors the Bitcoin that is not being issued at all. You know, so um, so there's that. So um, okay, so that's that that question. Oh next one, um, Richard B- Bungler. Um, po- polygon is not a layer one. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so so this is like uh, uh, I think this is a comment on my. Um, uh, on my like alternative layer one review article where I included uh, Polygon in the article, uh, which is implying that Polygon is a layer one, because I to me, you know, Polygon walks like a layer one, quacks like a layer one, so I, I included it <laughs> as a layer one. Why? Because you, seriously, you, um, yes, Polygon uses Ethereum as the security layer, right? which is actually no longer entirely true, because Polygon is uh, transitioning to also the modular app chain kind of uh, design. And uh, they have the option to have the Polygon specific set of validators that you can use to, um, in or- to, 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 to be the validator, to be like uh, borrowed validators for your app chains, build on a Polygon instead of using the Ethereum validators. So you, now you have options on, on Polygon 2. But to me, you know, as an investor, I'm not like a tech, technology purist, okay? So to me, um, as an investor, you know, um, a layer one or a layer two, so uh, I, I, from a technology point of view, you 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 may say, okay, a layer one, defi- the definition of layer one is whether this... Uh, uh, this, uh, this, this, uh, this layer of the blockchain implements its own consensus mechanism, right? So that, that would be like a technically you, you differentiate whether that's a layer one or not. But from my point of view, I'm an investor, right? What I look at is, is uh, from an end user point of view, what is the experience and perception from the end user point of view? To me, you know, people get Polygon from Coinbase or whatnot you transfer it off offline You transfer it to your Polygon wallet. You can use, you know, Polygon has its own wallet, uh, a digital wallet poly- or you can use MetaMask, right? So, um, and, uh, to, to, to the end users, there's really no difference and you have its own very vibrant uh, ecosystem in Polygon. And uh, now it's, it has its own validators. So, um, so, so that's why I included Polygon in, in the layer one, because to me, there's you know, de facto, no difference from an investor or end user point of view, which is, I have the same similar view about whatever new layer two is going to come up on Ethereum. Yes. They pay some, they pay like a, um, transaction fees to Ethereum, but they have their own network effect, right? If they have their own on-ramp or off-ramp, vis uh, visa vis fiat currency they have their own um you know chain specific apps built on top they have own their own ecosystem that um is a vibrant on-chain economy to me there's no difference whether they are a layer two or a layer one it I think it's quite similar. Um at the end of the day traction ecosystem is king. Um <laughs> Every, everything else is bullshit <laughs> that that's that's my view so um so okay so so um, that that's that's all for today and uh um uh, again these like uh, there are a lot of questions that are basically oh why why didn't you include xyz chain in your article um you know this is uh that this is, this is, you know, uh, absolutely unfair or, you know, things like that. Fine. You know, if you, I'm not saying that chains that are not included in my article are not investment worthy. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. So if you want to invest in those, then go ahead. Um, but this is my article. <laughs> okay. I pick the ones that I like. Uh, so, okay. Um, uh, that's all for today. Um, And, uh, oh, by the way, I have, um, I, so if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I think I, I, I said it on Twitter the other day, but I don't think I sent this to my email list. So basically, um, I'm like auto trans auto converting my YouTube channels into a podcast. So now you can also find these videos on, I don't know, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, just search Tasha labs in your podcast apps. So You know, you can find an audio version of this if you want to listen on the go or things like that. Okay, Um, thanks. Talk to you later. Bye.